Hello, and welcome to the Yukon Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Johnston, and this is a series all about how Yukon business owners are pivoting their businesses during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm joined today by Katie. Katie, please introduce yourself. Hi, Carrie. So good to see you again. Um, so Katie Johnson, I am um, uh, a member of the Kalwani First Nation, also a member of the Wolf Clan, and my traditional name is Lassama. And yeah, just really, really honored to uh, connect with you today. Well, thanks so much for joining in. And can you just tell us a little bit about uh, what it is that you do for business? So Carrie, probably for the last 15 years, I've been, um, I've owned uh, event consulting business, um, which has been an incredible journey for me. And um, I'm also co-founder of the Attica Cultural Festival. Um, and so, yeah, I, like a community builder, event planner, like I kind of do it all. And what is Attica? Um, so Attica started in 2011 and uh, it's co-founded with Charlene Alexander. And so when... Um, there's a big history to it. Uh, we started working on the 2010 Vancouver Olympics. Um, and so we, we worked on both performing and visual arts programming. And through that incredible platform, uh, we decided to create um, a Yukon First Nation Indigenous um, arts festival that features performing artists, visual artists, knowledge keepers, elders, youth. Um, and so we're really excited because we're going to be launching this year's festival because we had to cancel the last two years um, of the Attica Cultural Festival because of this pandemic. And who does the, who do you serve? Are you primarily focused in, in events here in the territory or? Well, I think um, I do have a company called Bella Elite Consulting. And so um, that was one of the things that obviously was very hugely impacted by the COVID pandemic. Um, As you know, everything got shut down. Um, There was restrictions on capacity, uh, lost a lot of uh, contracts during that time, but also not lost the the relationships that we currently have here in the Yukon and across the North. And so just before COVID, I was doing conferences, forums, very like special elite events. Um, And of course, my passion of just continuing on with the Attica Cultural Festival. And so I had just before or right after COVID hit, um, I was, of course, working with Yukon First Nation Culture and Tourism. Um, it's an organization that started in 1994 with uh, cultural and tourism leaders. And it's an organization that I'm just very, I, I love and I'm very passionate about and it has a mandate to, for art, culture, and of course, tourism. And so I just really sort of parked my business and said, you know what, I'm going to really just focus in on uh, the work that I have, the very important work that I have with wife and CT. Um, and so I'm currently the, the director of programs and partnerships there. And of course, the, the, the existing producer for the Attica Cultural Festival. In that role with YFNCT, what have you observed about how business, like how has the pandemic impacted those businesses? 
Well, when it first, I think when it first started, we were all like, okay, is this going to end? There was so much uncertainty. And I feel like our team at Wife and CT, we were, we weren't, we didn't stand by and say, okay, what's going to happen? We were like, it's like, we didn't really skip a beat. We just kind of, I guess, went in crisis mode. Like, how can we help visual arts artists? Um, how can we um, continue? Because we knew that we weren't going to be able to host any events. And so during that time, um, CT launched the Yukon Arts brand, which is like, it was almost like real um, alignment. And so this, the Yukon First Nation brand is really about highlighting Indigenous Yukon First Nation artists here in the Yukon. And to also for the buyers, well, so um, we have marketing collateral that has this beautiful, um, it's like a stamp saying, you know, what you buy here is authentic um, and it's bought by Yukon First Nation artists. And so just when the pandemic started, we launched this arts brand and through this arts brand, um, I think we have more than 65 plus artists signed up. Um, for this brand and you'll probably see it at some of the jewelry that you probably have purchased is this beautiful black box with this beautiful uh, logo that sort of marks that it's it's an authentic uh, Yukon First Nation artist that created it and through that brand we started an online store and so YFN Arts um, is where you can go and we have this incredible like incredible online store that has like we have drums we have shawls we have beautiful like beaded work like the earrings that I'm wearing um we have close to probably like 70 to 80 artists artwork on this on this store and so um it's something that it's we never thought we like the leadership or the board would think okay let's do an online store but it was like well, let's do this store to help artists because they weren't able to go to markets. They weren't able to go to festivals to sell their artwork. And it, it was just something that we can at least do to like support visual arts and um, craft um, the community during mm -hmm. this time. What was your first memory of the pandemic when you realized like this was going to be a really significant event? Honestly, like, cause I'm super optimistic when it comes to life and work. And because as you know, Carrie, like my work is not, it's a calling for me. Like it's, it's my work that I'm like, where am I going to go next? How am I going to do this? Like, it's never like a career step for me. It's like, so I've all, I was always optimistic, but it was when things started shutting down, like restrictions and rules that of course to that that was needed to like protect Yukoners and protect our elders and and our um, families, but it was like when we had to cancel the first Attica Cultural Festival. I think that was that was a hard one because I was like, you know, we still put our heart and soul into it, and we changed it because like this um in the last 10 years it's always been yukon first nations first that have taken part in the festival but we've invite we invite artists from british columbia and like late in the last couple of years it's been across canada so we were like okay well let's just have a yukon gathering like we won't invite any artists out for for this year and so we really kept and we were 
super COVID um, planning and we put a lot of energy into it. As you know, I think I called you a few times to get advice and just to make sure that the health and safety is, was our number one priority. Um, and we just, we had to cancel it. So it's, that was a hard one, I think, for our team to be like, wow, this is, this is, I always took it seriously, but it was like this, this is heartbreaking. Like we as Indigenous First Nation people, we can't even gather. Like that was like a real like um, moment for me. And, but then we re, it was like reboot, let's keep on going. And we did, we kept on planning for the next year's festival um, even more restrictions, like really being mindful, thinking and hopeful that it was going to get better. Um, and then there was an outbreak in the community and it was like, it's, it's not like, oh, let's like risk it. It's like, oh, let's not. Like, we got to be very careful that we don't um, host this event and then people get um, COVID or like bring it back to their community. Mm -hmm. Which of the public health measures have been the most challenging for you as a business owner? Well, definitely uh, the capacity. Like if you're an event planner and like if you can only have 10 people in a room, that's pretty much what was the huge, like that was definitely one of them. Um, the masks, that stuff didn't really, like for me, didn't really impact me. It's, it was really about the capacity and then of course our borders shut down so we couldn't even like leave the territory or anyone could come up here um so it, everything just like shut down and that's part of the reason why um like for my business Bella Elite it was just like wow like at this point there's really no where to go unless I was to seriously pivot and go into like virtual programming and but I wasn't I wasn't there my gifts in the work that I do is like, I'm a people person. Like I need heart to heart connection. I need to connect the dots. Like I'm an in-person, like, so the virtual thing wasn't even an option for me, but what's really cool is to see another successful indigenous event planning company, uh, Jesse Stevens and Blair Hogan with Gunta Business to really like take on that role um, virtually. So that's exciting to see, like, even though I sort of like left that niche market of an indigenous Yukon first nation planner. And I was doing, it was really great to see another company go into that role during this time. Yeah. I'm watching them work. You really see how much kind of goes into that kind of production, that dual online virtual it it's, it's a lot. Yeah. Cause you're producing two separate events, essentially like the, the in-person and the delivery of the presentation. And then it's the virtual piece, like behind the scenes. Um, but it's really cool to see. I, I really like seeing the success of like businesses that really, you know, just really turned it into a success rather than just being on hold and like waiting and or things are going to change. It's just like, you just got to like pivot, you got to move forward and just do what you can do during this time. And we've all had to pivot or adapt, you know, aspects of our business model, which ones are you most proud of in, in terms of what you've sort of shifted and what you've done? Well, um, it's a long story, but it's exciting. But 
So there was a lot of projects that I always, and it's not just me, there's a whole team of people. And, and thankfully with the support of YFNCT and Charlene Alexander and the board that really believed in, in the vision. And um, I think about just before COVID hit, just before, I was, I always, and I always talked to Charlene about it. I always wanted to create another performing arts show, very similar to what we did and produced for the Olympics. So uh, back in 2010, we had 45 performing artists from each community um, to weave a story of who Yukon First Nations people were. And that was 11 years ago. And I was like, what a cool model. Like we had a year of working with artists, training, mentorship, creating space for work to be created. This was even when COVID didn't even exist, but I knew that that model worked. And Charlene and I were always like, wow, that's so cool. And I always was like, can we, is there a way for us to do it again? And as you know, the visual arts has been like exploding in terms of First Nation fashion and um, jewelry. And that has always been a very steady climb and it's continuing. But we wanted to create space for performing artists. So like storytellers, singers, drummers, um, emerging artists, like really creating space for art, artists to really create their work. And so um, we were able to get seed money to, to and, and then that's when, you know, COVID hit. And there was a time where we were like, can we really do this? Because can we bring artists together? And at that time we weren't able to. Um, and so, but again, it was like, I knew and the team. So there's, we hired uh, Alejandra Ronceria, who is this incredible choreographer director based out of Toronto. And I've been working with him since the Olympics. And then Diet from Burwash, Diet from Kalani country, an incredible singer songwriter, mentor, community leader. So we brought them together as directors for this like new concept of creating this new story with these new artists. And of course we have other people like Patty Flathers, who's the founding member of Guanduk or co-founder. And then of course the strength of like Charlene Alexander and our team, because it was like, is this possible? Is it possible for us to do this while COVID? Cause you have to convince funders, you have to convince leaders, um, you have to convince the artists that it could work, right? Mm -hmm. So in October, uh, we were able to get seed money. In October, we brought, we did like a call mm -hmm. for artists across the Yukon. And we had, I think about 45 submissions. And so of course we reviewed them thoroughly, but we also did like interviews with artists, like, are you interested in do, like creating some work? and? So it's a process where it's like, it's really, it's not about the show. It was really about supporting and blanket, like putting a blanket on our artists. Like, what are you, what do you need? What kind of resources do you need? Like local training, even like rehearsal space, right? Like these are some of the things that you think is not that big, but it is right. There's not a lot of space here in the Yukon. And, uh, and we, just did one-on-one. -on -one. So Diet and Alejandro just did one-on-one -on -one work with each artist, like individually. We weren't able to bring everyone together. 
-hmm. And so that work continued from like October until now we're actually going into our last phase of rehearsals. Um, and the actual group of collective of artists, they haven't even come together yet, yet, but the restrictions are over now. And so um, we plan on bringing like each, the whole like collective of artists together to premiere Dreaming Roots. That's the name of the show, which is going to be a 90 minute showcase. Uh, we have close to 50 performing artists, actors, storytellers. Uh, that's going to weave this incredible story of Yukon First Nations past, present and future. Um, we have three incredible storytellers, Christine Genier, Gary Johnston, and um, Melissa Frost from Old Crow. And they're going to weave this, this incredible story of, of resiliency and hope and, and love and strength. And, and, then, and it's, they're going to weave the story with these incredible pieces that were created during COVID. Um, yeah, I just get goosebumps about it because it's like, we could have just parked it, but again this work is like so powerful and it's so important that we continue this work so that we can for the next generation of performing artists that was long but it's it's, it's such a crazy project during COVID but maybe it wouldn't have happened so like I really try to look at the positive because it's one of those projects where you have to put a lot of heart and soul in and if you don't you needed the time and so we as um, cultural leaders producers we had the time to really like sink our teeth into it and and create that momentum and so that show is going to be the welcoming show for the arctic art summit that's going to be hosted here at the end of june okay that i mean that gave me goosebumps while you were describing it and i think yeah i mean that that opportunity for reflection and building it in a slightly different way than you would have normally has maybe led to something even more transformative well, not just transformative for the artist, but I think this piece is going to be transformative to the world. Like mm -hmm. we're welcoming the world here in the Yukon and it's, it's going to be um, trans, they get to experience that and take that back to their countries or their communities or their families. And there's going to be all messages of like, I think we all need hope right now. We all need to be like, you know, we, there is a future out there um, and really it's, but it's our story, mm -hmm. you know, it's our story that's going to be told um, again. It, it's not just one person. Like we have this incredible team of like creative that um, we have lighting designers that have, have taken part um, sound engineers. We have this incredible like team of people that's like just building this show for the artist, it's about the spirit of that artist. Like, what can we do to like, to really like give them the best of the best, like a world-class, like um, it's, it's their time to shine. And it's that time for us to like, um, I guess it's so cliche, but like coming into the light, right? And that is what Attica means in Southern Shoni is like coming into the light. Like we've been in the dark for so long and it's time for the light to come back. What have you learned about your, your business model over the last two years? Business model. 
I don't know if I ever had a business model, Carrie. Like, honestly, like I'm a people person. I am a connector. Um, I'm really just a facilitator when it comes to like people and um, uh, energy. Like I'm really big on like um, the flow. Like I create experiences. That's what I do. I mean, there's a lot of work involved in doing that, but I, I think for me, it's like what I learned through this whole process and, and event planning is, is just being patient and, and knowing that, um, and also just taking a step back and reflecting on, um, even yourself. Like, I know that there was moments during this time where I'm like, is this the work that I want to continue doing? Or do I, do I want to make a shift? Um, not in a bad way, but it's like, you really like look inside and be like, do I have more to give? And one of the things I think through this pandemic is, um, you are more grateful. Like I'm finding already more grateful for gatherings, more grateful for connection. Um, and people are reconnecting again. So it's so beautiful to see and not taking anything for granted. Like not, not, I think we all have been there. We're just like, we, you just take things for granted, like going to a festival or going to a, a, a concert or you just, but when we didn't have it for two years, it's like, it really puts things in perspective and just be like, okay, like just live your like best life and continue that on. And it really like, I, I spent more time with, um, of course I have my daughter, Isabella, um, Bella. And uh, that, you know, just time to just be more present with her and just be um, locked in the house with her a few times. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that's so cool, right? Where you're just like, you just, you're, you gotta slow down, like mm -hmm. slow down. And that's one thing. So, so I don't know if it's a model, I think, if anything, it changes, it ch I, this pandemic has changed me as a person, um, but in a good way, right? It's like in a way of just pacing and, and, and prioritizing what's important. I think through this too is like now as I proceed and things are opening up and um, evaluating projects and events that have impact. And that's the number one thing is like, is this, is this event going to have impact to the community? Is it going to have impact? Um, what is the intentions of this project? Is it, so I'm very mindful of that. And it's important that um, for me, that it's aligned with my values, like who I am as a person, who I am as a first Yukon first nation uh, person and who I am as like a business owner mm -hmm. as well. Did you access any of the pandemic related supports? There were some at the federal level, the territorial, like the sick leave benefits or anything like that? Not for my business. I think because I ha already had um, a committed relationship with wife and CT that thankfully I wasn't one of those businesses where I was like um, sinking, where I was like, ah, I need thankfully, right? 
because I still had, I was still able to do what I love to do through another vehicle. And that I'm so very forever grateful that I was still able to do the work that I'm so passionate about through YFNCT and still have impact, still support communities, still support artists um, through this time. Mm-hmm. Did you notice any gaps? Like were there funding opportunities that were, weren't there that were needed that you saw in the community or for your business? Well, what's interesting that you say that, I mean, and of course, um, what's so great is we, our tourism department at YFNCT really helped and supported Yukon Indigenous businesses during this time. And uh, there's a hat, like there's about 12 businesses here in the Yukon. Some are, have been running for 20 years. Some are like, they just started or they were supposed to launch during the pandemic. And our team there at YFNCD, they're just so like, we were totally tapped into all the funding, making sure that all the businesses got the information. So there was no gaps um, because that information was was always shared and YFNCT was always the conduit, like making sure that they had all the information needed for support. But we were always so optimistic and like, um, you, you look at different parts of Canada and it's like, um, the, the, cause it did, st- you know, the growth of indigenous tourism in Canada and like some businesses did definitely this pandemic was not good for them, but I think in the Yukon, and this is my perspective, just based on like my observations is a, some of our businesses really flourished because they were able to create like professional, um, tourism websites, they were able to get access funding through like ITAC, Yukon government, um, the, the Elevate program, um, which is a partnership between Taya Yukon and uh, the wilderness, like there's a partnership there where they joined together to support all Yukon tourism businesses. So I think from like, from the perspective of how, what I saw, I think, I mean, uh, the businesses here really took advantage of that funding so that they can like expand their business or uh, expand their business in marketing or social media. So that was really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some businesses have really come out better positioned for the recovery period. For the recovery. Yeah. yeah. Um, going forward, how are you kind of thinking about your business differently? Like what's where are you seeing your opportunity? Like moving, like the recovery piece or? Yeah, through recovery and, and into the future. Yeah, I I used to plan my life like in three year, like in three years, I'm going to do this. And that's one thing with this pandemic is we couldn't do that. Everything was so up in the air and I didn't know if I was, it was like day by day in the moment, but I don't, it's one of those, I'm so hopeful that, I don't know if things are ever going to be like, when they say the new normal, it's like, what is, what was that even before the pandemic? Like, I feel like looking when it's like prioritizing and spending time more on the land. And one thing that I've noticed too, is a lot of my friends and community um, family, their, the whole language revitalization. 
um, is so empowering and so beautiful to see how we're having like um, young speakers creating programs and um, my brother is actually going to be creating a program for Southern Toshone in the next year. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Like, it's like recommitting yourself to a whole nother level of, of the work that we do. And as a cultural leader here in the Yukon, it's like, I've always been like, so like giving and like creating and, but it's like, I want to do that for myself. Like I want to learn the language. I want to, I want to start really like for myself so that those teachings can carry on. Um, it's one thing to like host an event that's so incredible. And it's like the cylinder, or the vessel, like the vessel for that inspiration to happen, but it's another to like, really like get those teachings for yourself so that you can pass that on to the next generation. So yeah, I think it's like, if anything, it's like pers perspective and like, and, and that whole like give and take. And I think lately I'm like, you know, I really want to invest in my own teachings and how I can um, create that legacy for my daughter and the next generation. Well, that was kind of my next question is, you know, have you picked up any skills to better position yourself for the new economy? It sounds like you're, you're kind of getting ready to pick up that language skill. Definitely, like I, that's something that I want to invest my time in. Um, the other thing that I really want to do, um, once I have time, once everything after July, it's going to be because right now I'm we're producing Dreaming Roots for the end of June, and then we're also producing Attica. And what's exciting about Attica this year is because of the Arctic Art Summit we have international artists from like the circumpolar countries. So like Sweden and Finland and Norway, like they're all coming here. And it is actually the launch of an international indigenous festival. Like we're, what, what do we want to see this festival for like for the next 10 years? So that's really exciting. I think it's like exploring themes of like connection around the world as, um, Indigenous people. So I'm really excited about where that will go. Um, so I definitely want to commit to um, developing the framework around um, sort of launching that and building an, a team and um, like passing the torch, I guess, uh, to young, inspiring like producers and creators to continue that work. Because it's important that like this work continues. Like 11 years ago, I never thought I would be like for this festival be where the, where it's at. And, you know, Charlene, of course, Alexander and the board, like Marilyn Jensen. And before that, like the late Doris McLean and even my father, like Joe Johnson, like this Louise Prophet LeBlanc, like there are some incredible like leaders. This is just a phase of like the work that needs to continue. And so my intention is to be that generation where it's like, we have to plant the seeds for the next 10 years. And so that's one of my like missions is to do that. The other thing that I really want to explore is creating like personal, like wellness programming for individuals of all, from all cultures. So the idea of like creating like a wellness retreat programs um, on the land. So people can, you know, come to say like Kluan Mankai country and 
kayaking and just be on the land and like eat good food. But then there's this whole like spiritual personal development uh, programming involved. So when they go home, they're so impacted that they also start making change within their own community. So that's sort of my long-term goal. But right now I'm just kind of coasting the wave need to get through the next uh, couple of weeks. Um, and just really be in the moment and enjoy, enjoy where we're at right now. Cause I feel like we, we have gone through it. Like I see the light. I really do. And I'm very optimistic about the future. Hmm. You just kind of mentioned some of the leaders that inspired you to be where you are now, but what have you learned about leadership over the last couple of years? I think leader leadership is like with always within you, right? You just have to like be sparked or inspired to like nurture that piece. Um, I feel very blessed that to be around so many leaders here in the Yukon and mentors. I'm very grateful to have my, my family and of course have a really strong group of friends that are really like supporting what I what I saw through this pandemic was like how those friendships just grew stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't alone, you know, like I had my family, I had my friends and, you know, I had my community. And so I feel like it's like my responsibility to pass that forward and sort of bring other like upcoming leaders to the forefront. And so I think it's, it's just finding a passion and finding your um, purpose, you know, what is your purpose? And thankfully I was given that. And so I follow that um, with true honor and dignity and integrity and, and um, until the creators like moves me to another path. uh, I, that's what will happen. But for now, I'm just really grateful that um, we were able to just to move forward and continue this work because it's so important that this it continues Um, it's it's one of those things where it's like COVID will not it's the whole resiliency resiliency like COVID's not going to bring us down it's just going to make us stronger and that's really important that as we start rebuilding and reconnecting and um and really reconnecting our relationships. As, so we, as you think more about sort of rebuilding, you think a little bit more about the Yukon economy and you know how that's transitioning. We're seeing First Nation procurement policy. We're seeing the work that you're doing and building up tourism and culture and that the economy around that. What are, what are, what are your hopes for what that looks like for the Yukon? Well, what I saw or my observations in the last two years is like, organizations banding together and actually starting to work together and start communicating. And so I, I really would love to see that continuing. Um, and especially with the, you know, Yukon government and the territorial or the federal governments, like we are all it's like, it's so we've heard it how many times we're all in it together, but we really are like, we need to unify and like really support one another because our economies like our territory is so small and we're all interconnected and 
um, it's important that we all work together um, for us to like get through the recovery, get through, um, cause we still have a long road ahead of us. Um, and really just kind of, this is, I think this is an opportunity for us to like redesign that, you know, redesign. What does that look like when it comes to like, you know, working together and, and being together. So I'm excited to see where that, where that can go. And yeah, it's really, it's, there's no accident that the Yukon's hosting an international event at the end of June. Like, I think it's an opportunity for us to really showcase the world and like who we are as Yukoners. Um, and the First Nation story is a huge part of that. And it's acknowledging that and acknowledging the territories that we're on it's it's acknowledging our story where we what the past the you know the present and and how bright the future is and i think it's those teachings that are going to be like transpired into um into our governments into our leaders into our like future leaders so that's that's exciting to me do you have advice for those future leaders for those emerging entrepreneurs just keep on going. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I, I mean, there's so many times in my footsteps where I'm like, but one thing that I like, I'm so tuned into now is like, follow your intuition. Cause you know yourself best. And I know that, you know, we always, uh, in our, the path that we're on. It's like, if it doesn't feel right, or you're not, you're kind of unsure and you really have to think about it. It's probably not right for you. Right. Like I really feel like in the last, not just within my career, but like in my life where you just have to trust your own self, trust your gut, trust like your heart, trust who and what you want to do. Right. Cause there's always going to be tons of opportunities out there, but if it's not aligned with like who you are um, and if it doesn't feel right, then you don't need to do that just it, because there's something else better for you. Right. So I feel like we're so hard on ourselves sometimes when it comes to our career choices or um, you know, are people going to like it or just, do you just do you right? And I feel like if you're really authentic and true to who you are, then you're always going to succeed. Mm-hmm. What's been keeping you grounded this last little while? What's your wellness practice? Um, honestly, no. <laughs> well, it's been hard because uh, of course, Kalani was closed. Um, lot like in the they they just opened up what I mean is like the community didn't want uh members or non-members come into which is I you gotta respect that um but you know it's hard because that is my grounding spot is going home to Kwan Man and just be with my community and see my family so I'm actually really looking forward to to reconnecting um back home and being on the land and um, bringing Bella to all our little special places. So I'm excited about, um, that. 
I, I feel what grounds me the most is just, um, just being with like-minded people and people who are optimistic and find the good and everything. Like it sounds, I know when it gets, life gets hard, but like, it's so important that we just still support one another and, and be kind and like, um, because it's, in, it's just one of those things where we are, we're going into a whole different space of um, reconnecting and re reigniting. So one of the things that I've has been a tagline for me is like igniting the fire, you know, like how do we ignite the fire within ourselves um, in the work that we do? And so um, it's my like recent tagline with people. <laughs> Ignite your fire. I like it. I like it. Any uh, final thoughts before we close out today? No, I just really grateful that you asked me to come back and to sort of share my experience. And I, uh, I mean, there's so many other things that are happening that are super positive in our community. Um, we've lost a lot of our elders uh, there's a lot of grief um, within our communities. We've been through a lot. Um, and so I constantly like say prayers to our ancestors to, to show us a way to um, sort of reignite these gatherings such as Attica, to come back to our culture, like hosting headstone potlatches and just coming together again. And, and so, and just being gentle with each other um, is probably something that I'll, I will practice, um, especially this summer as we're, we're kind of coming back into the light and, um, yeah. And just like my thoughts and prayers, of course, go out to everyone that's struggling right now and, um, know that, you know, you're not alone and there's people that, that love and care for you and, um, that, uh, we're all, we're, we're still here and we'll, and we'll continue to be here moving forward. Thanks so much for your time today, Katie. Bye.